We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. The following program is being brought to you on the 7th Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit 7thWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Good afternoon, and welcome to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Over the next hour, you'll learn how to see your true self in the midst of life's twists and turns. You'll be challenged to think outside of the box when it comes to the mysteries of life. Now, here's your host, Andrea Matthews. Well, the holiday season has started. Uh, we have, even though most of us have not actually taken off from work, we will be soon, and many have already taken off, and they've literally taken off to fly or drive to other parts of the world or, or the country to visit with family and friends, to have a holiday season, um, and hope with, with all of its hopes and expectations attached. So it's this t- time of year when we talk about whether or not it's possible to have peace on earth. We sing about it. We even pray about it. But really... Do we believe that it's actually going to have happen? We're actually going to have peace on earth? I mean, look around. You can't really believe that this crazy place is going to one day be all peace, love, and joy, right? We're not those people. We're not the people who can facilitate this. We're people who are weak and sinful and definitely incapable of joining forces to bring about a peaceful outcome. Nah, it's a nice thought and all, but... It's nice to wistfully speak of it at Christmas time, but no one in his right mind takes that stuff seriously, right? Well, today we're going to take it seriously. We're going to really consider the possibility of whether it is a probability even that we might establish peace on earth. And that's what we're here to talk about today. Next week, I'm going to be talking to Marianne Williamson about her latest book, The Divine Law of Compensation. So you want to be here for that um, and, of course, we'll have the new year coming in, and we'll be talking with some new folks coming in next next year as well. So we're just keeping on rocking and rolling here at the Authentic Living Show. When we talk about peace, what do we mean? What is peace on earth? Well, most of us think in terms of no war. That's the first thing we think. Well, no more war. And certainly that is peace on earth. But that is not peaceful peace on earth. That is just no war. You say, uh, nature abhors a vacuum. So if we have no war, what will we do with that? We'll fill it up with something else. Because nature abhors a vacuum. But if we have peace, then that fills up the empty place that war left. You know, there's another idea that's prominent out there, and that is that if we had peace on earth, we'd be bored. Without any conflict or competition, we'd be bored. But I wonder... I, you know, when I have peace, when I have that peace that settles in over me that I call, that comes from the stillness, that brings in what I call the silence, um, that place is rich with abundance. That, that 
the, the feelings, the thoughts, the body sensations that come with that are rich with abundance, and I'm not bored at all. So uh, I wonder if that is a fallacy that we have in our head that actually no war, no competition, no no confrontation, no telling people what we really have to think or protecting ourselves or guarding ourselves from other people, that would be boring and that is the vacuum that nature abhors. The reason we think it would be boring is because we believe that um, that if we're not having war, there's an absence of something. If we're not having conflict, there's an absence and that absence is what's boring. But if the absence is filled up with peace, then it's not boring. So we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about what is peace and how feasible it is. All right, what is peace? Well, peace is not just the absence of something. Peace is not just the quiet you get in the night when your children have gone to bed and you go, oh, peace at last. <laughs> you know. And, of course, you loved all the, the noise, too. But, you know, when you have your little space at time at night to, to just sit down and unwind, you want that peaceful moment. But it's more than that. Peace is union with the divine. Peace is that essential, not just knowledge, but deep body-mind understanding that we are one with the divine, that there is no separation. And when we experience that union, there is utter peace and often a mix of joy with it. That's the state people call bliss. Um, and we experience it through meditation. Many of us have experienced it through meditation that um, we can stay there in that place for a time. And then sometimes we want to grab hold of it. We want to say, oh, I want that peace. I want it to stay with me. And the minute we start doing that, it goes away. And the reason it goes away is because it's not something we can grab hold of. It's only something we receive. The concept of peace that we have on planet Earth is that we should create peace in the same way that we say we should love other people. But the minute you put should in front of love, it ceases to be love. And the minute you put should in front of peace, it ceases to be peace. So when we're talking about um, developing peace on earth, we're not talking about something we should do. We're talking about becoming. We're talking about becoming the essential essence of who we are. Is it possible for us to do this? Absolutely. Um, most of us think that there there is going to come a time in our history, many of us think that it's um, in the next few days, <laughs> where the world will end, and uh, not with a bang but a whimper. It will just go out. And we, you know, there will be uh, maybe a, a big bomb that will blow up or something will happen and it will just, boom, we're gone. Emptiness. But what is that? What, why is it that we think that? Well, I think we think that because, A, we've been taught that. But, B, we also think that because before the teaching ever occurred, we have this archetypal image of ourselves as bad. And we, we believe that we're going to create a bad destiny because we're bad people. That's the reason why we have it, find it so difficult to believe that there's a possibility to find peace on earth. Because we don't deserve peace. We haven't earned it. We don't do the things it takes to get peace. We don't, we're not kind to each other. We're not supportive of each other. We're mean and controlling and competitive and everybody's trying to get their own. It's a dog eat dog world. So, you know, how could we possibly have peace? Well, what if it's possible that the reason we think we're bad people 
is because we have believe we're separate from the divine and, and our concept is that well if we're separate from the divine there must be some reason for it and we know the divine is good so it must be that we're bad maybe we like little children have made conclusions about reality that aren't really valid like for example a child whose parents get divorced sometimes will think not all the time but sometimes will think that that it's their fault I did something wrong that made my parents get a divorce. And the reason they think that way is because to not believe they're responsible for it is to believe that things are beyond their control. And to believe that their parents are beyond their control is just not acceptable because because if they or parents are beyond their control, then the parents could abandon them or parents could neglect them or parents could harm them or parents could do all kinds of things that we don't want to believe are possible. So we make our parents gods and we say that they can do no wrong. And so if there's wrong in the room, if something is amiss, something is a tilt, then it must be me. That way I can do something about it. Whereas if it's you, I can't do anything about it. So children take that on as a way of magical thinking, as a way of saying, I am in charge of my world. Once then, when they were infants, they cried and mama came and brought, you know, nursed or brought a bottle or, or a papa came and changed the diapers and brought them to the mother or whatever. Um, that child got a result. They cried, they got a result. They cried, they got a result. They cried, they got a result. And so they began to believe that, oh, okay, I'm, I'm, the, I'm the controlling force here. But then after a while, when parents do things that are not acceptable, the child still holds on to that idea that they're the controlling force. So what if we did the same thing with the divine? What if when things didn't go the way we thought they should, we made the assumption that it was us. We'd done something wrong as if we could correct it ourselves, as if it doesn't rain and shine on both the good and the bad, which we know it does. So, you know, our thinking down through the generations has been, in my belief, skewed along the lines of that idea that we're bad people. And and then, of course, we look around and we go, well, look at all the evidence that we're bad. I mean, come on, look at what happened last Friday. Obviously, this terrible tragedy that occurred in Connecticut on Friday occurred as a result of our badness. I mean, what else could happen? Those innocent little children were killed by somebody who was bad. And that's the way we think of it. Uh, and that's our conclusion. Well, look around. Can't you see the bad? And so we say, of course, we can't possibly create peace on earth. We're bad people. How could bad people create something as good as peace? And yet, if in fact it's true that we're not bad people... But actually, and we're not good people either. We're, we're real people. We have an essence to us that is divine. And if we are those people, then we can create peace on earth. We have to change our thinking though. And that's not just our thoughts. We don't have to change just our thoughts because the thoughts are what's on the surface. We have to become informed. We have to become informed, deeply, essentially informed of who we actually are. And that process is a process of opening. Some people call it the process of opening the chakras. 
Um, and I think that's a, a, a really good way of talking about it. The chakras are the seven consciousness centers in the body-mind. And um, those are the ones we know about. I believe there's 12 chakras, uh, five above this, the, uh, the seventh crown chakra. But as they open, what happens is we become more essentially grounded in who we are as divine beings. And that openness means that we are receiving. You see, we have a belief uh, as humans that we are supposed to get out there and do it. We're supposed to get out there and strive and work and sweat and grunt and groan to make it happen. We're supposed to make it happen here on planet Earth out of our own agendas, out of our own, you know, forthrightness, out of our own assertiveness, out of our own passions. We're supposed to make it happen. And I think we do make it happen, but we don't make it happen from the part of us that believes that it is not divine. We make it happen when we receive the part of us that is divine. And actually, there's not any parts. there. It's all one thing. But um, to, in order to explain it, I sort of have to differentiate it a minute. The, the part of me that believes it's divine is all about wholeness and receives constantly from the divine. There's a constant reception going on. I receive, I receive, I receive, I receive. And as I receive, it flows through me and goes out into the world. That's the union of the masculine and the feminine. The masculine archetype is one in which there's an, a going out. The feminine archetype is one in which there's a coming in. Okay, So in the feminine archetype, we go in internally to ourselves, to our deepest essential beingness, and we gather what's in there, and we hand it over to the masculine. And then the masculine takes it out into the world and gives it to the world. But there's an effortlessness that goes in that when we are in divine self, when we are in the I am that I am, fully aware of who we are. There's an effortlessness that goes with that. It doesn't come from striving. It doesn't come from sweating and groaning and working and you know, getting out there and making it happen. It doesn't come from that. It comes from pure, absolute reception. So how would it not be possible for us to be, create peace on earth if, in fact, we are constantly receiving from the divine the divine essence of who we are? That means it's impossible that we won't have peace on earth just the opposite of what we believe but we believe what we believe and we have we have compiled uh, historical chronological and historical documents from the beginning of when we started compiling those that tell us how bad we are and it's evidentiary to us and so we say okay well that's the truth we're bad people and of course look how bad we've been we're not going to change the world it's not possible That's what we tell ourselves. But if in fact we are entirely somebody else and that somebody else is full reception, it is just reception, that's all it does, it receives. And and as it receives, what is in flow, the divine energy that is flow, flows right through us. If that's true, then it's not possible for us to not have peace on earth. So how would that happen? Well, that question uh, tells us, gets us back into the striving mode. So let's talk a little bit about the difference between striving and effortlessness. 
there's a passage in the Bible, Christian Bible, that says um, in the Old Testament, the the uh, Tanakh of the Hebrew or Jewish religion as well, that says, cease striving to know that I am God. We've interpreted that to mean cease striving and then you'll know who's the guy, who's the big guy. <laughs> you know, who's really in charge here. You're not. <laughs> you're not really in charge. You're just a puny little bad human. So you're not in charge. Um, but it is possible that, in fact, um, what that means is something entirely different. That perhaps it means that um, if we cease striving, we come to know who we are as divine beings. If we cease striving, we come to know that I am that I am. And that ceasing to strive is the most difficult thing we can even imagine. But ceasing to strive puts us in the mode of total reception. And that's what happens when we meditate. When we meditate, we sit or we stand or we lay or however we meditate and we grow still. We, uh, we get still. We, we don't think as much or, or we can stand back in the observer mode and watch our thoughts. We are, we can stand back in the observer mode and watch our emotions. So from that observer mode, we're not really engaged. We're just watching. We're just watching. And from that place, we begin to deepen into another, another deeper aspect of who we are. Another essentialness of who we are. So that we begin to experience what it's like to receive. We're just sitting there. We're not doing anything. We're just receiving. And very often, I've experienced this and lots of other people that I've talked to have experienced this sort of downloading of information that we get from that receptive position where we, we come away from it with a new understanding. I've heard people talk about meditating for the first time and they're completely atheists. And after they've meditated and really gotten into that place of reception, they receive the information. And it's not information in the way we typically think of information as data, but it is, it informs the body, it informs the mind, it informs the heart, it informs the deepest essence, our blood and our bones and our marrow. It informs us that there, there is a divine energy that is a coalescing, a unified field, if you will, a, a, a union of all things and all people. That is essential and it is running things in a, at a core level that we don't see in our everyday worlds. Um, not that it's not, I'm not saying that it's quote unquote God's will that we get sick or that we die or all those things that we tend to think, but rather that at the core level, whatever is happening, even in that place where we don't see who we are, is being used by that core energy to facilitate something deeper, something stronger in each incarnation. So people come away. They didn't have any connection to that kind of understanding before they started meditating. And then they meditate and they develop a whole new understanding, not because somebody taught them, not because they um, they went and read a book, not because they went and spoke to a guru, but simply because the information gets downloaded. And it, it's not... 
information that's intellectual. It's information that is so round and so full and so completely fulfilling that they can't miss it. You walk away from that changed um, at a real core level. So that that being able to sit with ourselves and be in that presence of beingness uh, offers us peace because we're in a completely receptive mode. And that's what we're going to have to get to as a world. As individuals and as a world, we're going to have to get to a place where we receive from the divine rather than going out there and trying to duke it out and figure it out and work it out ourselves. So we're going to talk some more about that right after the break. Stay tuned for more. The Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Do you ever ask yourself, Why am I here? What is my purpose in life? What do I do next? Life energies are based on the chakras, and this is the foundation of holistic healing. Find the balance in your life by tuning in to Healing Possibilities with your host, Tracy Makarenko. Through engaging guests and Tracy's spiritual guidance, each week we'll explore a different modality of healing designed to help you find peace and wholeness. Listen every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Many of us make choices in our lives based on how others react. But what should really matter is making our life choices based on what we intuitively feel. By tuning in to The Mystic and the Mystery with Inspired Intuition hosts Beth Porozhik and Christine McIver, you'll receive the tools and inspiration you need to do just that. Your fears do not have to drive you, and you are naturally intuitive, creative, and whole. By believing in yourself, you can live the life you've been longing for. Listen for The Mystic and the Mystery every Wednesday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Step into the doorway to conscious choice, greater health, and well-being. Attain the balance that you've been seeking. Tune in and turn on 1111 Talk Radio. Feed the mind. Embrace positively. Release the tension. Step out of fear. Host Simran Singh will help you broaden your mind and open your heart toward a greater understanding of how to take charge of your life. 1111 Talk Radio is here every Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, 4 p.m. Pacific Time on 7th Wave Network. 1111 Talk Radio. Because shift happens. The Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Be extraordinary. Be the change. You're listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We want to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about today's show, call in now, toll free. 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. You can also send your questions or comments by email to Andrea at andreamatthewslpc.com. Now, back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. And the Authentic Living Show is sponsored by the American Institute of Holistic Theology. You may wonder what the terms holistic theology mean. Well, theology is the study of the divine. 
And holistic theology is a holistic study of the divine that includes all religions and even transcends religion. The American Institute of Holistic Theology offers doctorate, master's, and ministerial bachelor's degrees, chaplaincy programs with internship, NBCC-approved continuing education, and a brand-new Ph.D. program in holistic theology. AIHT's programs include degrees in the following, holistic theology, offering as terminal degrees both a Th.D. and a Ph.D., holistic ministries, holistic health and spiritual care, metaphysical spirituality, and alternate spiritual traditions, which includes in-depth studies in the paranormal. Using a home study model for distance learning, the student of AIHT gets thorough education in the field that fulfills and offers a chance to authenticate a unique gift for the world. Do you want to know more? Go to www.aiht.edu or contact Admissions Director Beverly Love at 800-650-4325. Start today getting a degree that you can be proud of that will kickstart that career you've always dreamed of that will help you use your own special gift. And the Authentic Living Show is also being sponsored currently by a new study that's being done at uh, the Institute of Noetic Sciences, a course that will be a six-weeks course based in, on 10 years of research and extensive interviews that have been conducted for a book and documentary film called Death Makes Life Possible. Everyone is experiencing the loss of a loved one, family, friend, pet. It's a part of living. How does understanding death inform how we live our lives? Death Makes Life Possible is based on amazing interviews gathered for a book, documentary, film, and 10-year research project. Anthropologist, author, and educator Marilyn Schlitz, Ph.D., guides participants through a six-week transformational learning program that provides practical tools to work with grief, examines cultural practices and beliefs, as well as explores the scientific evidence for the continuation of consciousness after bodily death. Understanding our fears can help us overcome them. If you want to watch a trailer of the movie, go to http www.noetic.org slash death makes life possible slash home. And we're talking today about how to have peace on earth. Is it even possible to have peace on earth? We have equated heaven with peace and earth with lack of peace. Um, and, of course, for those who believe in a, uh, the traditional model of heaven and hell, of course, hell would be total misery. Um, we certainly have experienced total misery at times in our own lives, and, in, and we've seen total misery in the lives of other people. We just recently saw and are still seeing the horror and misery of the shooting in Connecticut of, of 20 kindergarten or first grade children and, and a few teachers um, that that's a horrible thing that's happened, and we can't deny the horror of that. And yet, is it possible to find peace through that? Is it possible to transform into a deeper essence of who we are, even through the most horrific experiences of life? Well, there's certainly a lot of people out there who would say, yes, that we can. Viktor Frankl is one of those people who writes has written several books about his own um, terrible experiences through the Holocaust. And he, he learned to find bliss in spite of that, and maybe even because of that. So it, it's possible for us to go deeper. It's possible for us to transition to another place inside our own spirit, uh, our own essence of who we are, in which we can recognize who we are as divine beings and remember who we are. 
Pema Chodron says, we're not bad people, we've just forgotten who we really are. And that's not a direct quote, but that's the essential meaning of what is said there. And the, the, there's a Buddhist saying that says, the seeker is that which is being sought. So what that means is that we think we're seeking something. We think we're seeking peace on earth, perhaps. We think we're trying to strive toward that in a global collective fashion. All the while, many of us in the midst of that collective are not striving for peace at all. Uh, as a matter of fact, we're trying to disrupt the peace of other people. So, you know, when we think of trying to get a collective going, we think, well, there's these evil people that are always going to be in our way. They're going to keep us from getting what we want. But what if it's possible that even the most evil of evil things, even the most horrific thing, can somehow bring us to peace? I see suffering as a way, an avenue, Um the Bhagavad Gita says, all paths lead to me, which basically means that every, there's nothing that happens that isn't an effort to bring us to divine self, to bring us to awareness of who we are as divine beings, of all of us as a collective as divine beings, of everything in the universe as divineness. Um, all paths lead to that. So if that's really true, then even the most horrific thing can lead us to deeper peace. So how would we get that in the midst of peace? Well, I know that I'm in the midst of something horrible or midst of misery. I know that in my own life, there's been times when suffering was what I saw then as pretty enormous. And uh, what I did with that was say, okay, this has come to me and here I am in it. And all the ways that I have of trying to tell myself I'm not in it are not working. All the ways that I have of saying to myself that I should not be having this experience, which is how we interpret the quote-unquote bad things that happen in our lives. We shouldn't have these experiences. They're just wrong. We shouldn't have them. Um, And we say, okay, well, this is a really bad experience because we shouldn't be having it. And there's something in us that just has that belief system that we shouldn't be having this bad experience. But here we are. And there it is. And so if I say, okay, I'm going to be with that experience, I can't quite wrap my arms around it yet, I can't quite embrace it yet, but I can be with it, I can sit with it, I can be present with it and allow it to have its say. And as I do that, I begin to say, okay, I can hear, you know, maybe parts of how I got here, maybe I can hear a little bit of of things that sort of set me up for this. Ways that I was blind that I didn't see I was headed down this path. Or maybe that's not it. Maybe this was all somebody else's doing. And yet, here it is. And so I can say, okay, what can this give me? Well, first what it gives me is pain. And we want to go, oh, no, 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 I'm not going to be with pain. How's that going to bring me peace? But I can say the more we try to not have the pain, the more pain we have. The more we try to suspend grief and avoid it, uh, the more we, uh, longer we have to grieve. Somebody said just uh, recently in, with regards to the tragedy in Connecticut, um, they said, we are a nation that doesn't know how to grieve. And I I can't agree with that more. We, we are always trying to not feel pain, 
through drugs and alcohol, through, you know, smoking cigarettes, through overeating, through oversexing, through texting, through gaming, through all kinds of mechanical means. We're trying very hard not to feel pain. And because we are, we feel more of it. Because, uh, for example, this is a real clear example, for somebody who's addicted to substances, they're trying really hard to sort of fly above pain. Just, you know, I don't want to feel any pain. If pain comes, I'm going to take some more drugs. That's all I need to do. I'm going to get high. And I feel better, so what's the problem? Problem might still be there unresolved, but who cares? I feel better. So that's what I call people that are using substances are trying to fly above the pain. But what's happening in the process is they're destroying their own lives as they go further and further, tumbling down into this dark hole um, where life becomes one one roller coaster ride from darkness to getting high, from getting depressed to getting high to getting depressed to getting high. And then eventually they're not using to get high anymore. They're just using to feel normal because tolerance has built up in their body and they can't get high anymore. And so they have to use more and more and more to get a little buzz going. And by the time they get to the place where um, they're not getting really high anymore, they've also destroyed big significant portions of their lives. They've lost jobs. They've lost partners. They've lost wives and husbands. They've lost children. Maybe they've hit somebody in an automobile accident. You know, uh, all kinds of tragic things could have happened as a result of of the addiction and the blindness that comes with the addiction. Uh, but they haven't noticed it because they've been trying to get high all the time. So what's what happens is they finally hit what we call bottom, where they go, oh, my God, there is misery all around me. Look, I'm in this dark, awful-looking, smelly hole, and life sucks in here. And I created it because all I did was keep using, trying to avoid having to feel the thing that I'm feeling right now. And I'm going to have to feel until I can get myself out of it. The biggest shock to people who are in early recovery from addiction is that they have to feel. They have to feel now. And so uh, in America in particular, we've got so many gadgets, so many ways, mechanical means and TV shows and all kinds of things that can just kind of keep us out of touch with our feelings that we just don't go there. And all the while we're not going there, we're building lives around that effort to not go there. And the lives we're building in that effort are crash and burn lives. They are absolutely crash and burn lives that are going to eventually crash. And when they do, that's when we're going to go, oh my God, look at my life. And that's what suffering can bring us. It can make us go, oh my God, look at my life. It can make us begin to tell the truth to ourselves about ourselves. And the truth begins to set us free. Sitting with the truth begins to open us to the possibility of peace. You know, Jesus once said that he wanted his people to worship him in spirit and in truth. Well, we can't worship in spirit and in truth if we're not ever even going to go inside to find what spirit is. And we aren't going to deal in truth. So how many of us are stressed out to the max while we're headed on the way to the temple or the, or the church? How many of us are uh, going to some service as a collective ritual, but we're not really in it? We're not really there. We're just attending. Um, but, but when we're seeking to find the seeker, then 
what happens is we find ourselves at the bottom line of every stitch of suffering. We find ourselves down there in the hole of our own misery. And we go, oh, here I am. Here I am in this place. Now let me look around in the darkness and see if I can find the silence. And in the silence, maybe I can also find the stillness. And in the stillness, that's where I'll find myself. That's where we find peace. So in that effort to, to suspend reality and to, to avoid pain and avoid fear and avoid all the things that, that really bother us, we're actually creating lives in which we can't have peace. But if we sit with whatever is there and really acknowledge it and really begin to listen to the messages it has to give us, we can find peace in that. And that's how it will be. It won't be because we try to push it away. It won't be because we try to think positive thoughts and feel positive feelings. And while the while we're doing that, we're repressing all the so-called negative thoughts and negative feelings. It won't be because of that. It will be because we can bravely sit in whatever is and just be there with it until it starts to reveal itself to us. And as it does, we get that download of information. And as we get that download of information, the body, the mind, the cells, the quarks, the everything that we are is, is equally informed and we are changed at a deep level and we find peace. Now there's one other piece of this, one other piece of this piece, and that is that every time one person on this planet really gets that peace, really gets it, Everyone else on the planet is touched in some kind of way by that because we are all connected. There is no divide between us. So if in Ecuador someone is feeling peace in this very moment, then somehow the rest of the world is being impacted by that simultaneous to that moment. We're not conscious of it because we're not in tune with it. But it's there. So on some level, we're all being changed incrementally every time one of us learns how to find peace. And that is how we will develop peace on earth. We will not develop it by striving after it and fighting for it and having the last world war that is finally going to bring us to peace or killing off all of our enemies or making sure that they don't get what's ours. We're not going to find peace that way. We're not going to find peace through competition. We're not going to find peace through through um, changing our financial laws and our, our, our economic well-being. We're not going to find peace in the external world. We find peace in the internal world. And then it falls out on the external world. That's how it works. So when we talk about is it possible for us to have peace on earth, not only is it possible, it is probable. And we're going to talk about that after we have this next break. But before we go there, I want to say uh, the probabilities are in the number of people who are right now, at, even as we speak, thinking and feeling and being with their own internal peace. There are people out there who are listening right now who are listening to their own peace as they listen to this radio show. And those people are impacting everyone else in the world with their peace. There is no way to for one person to have peace alone. 
There's another passage in, in the uh, New Testament of the Bible that says, where two or three are gathered together in my name, there I will be also. And we've taken that traditionally to mean that, um, where well, when some people get together in church and pray, well, then the prayers are going to be answered. That's not what it says. <laughs> what it says is where two or three are gathered together in my name. And what is my name? My name is I am that I am. And when we're gathered in that, when we're enfolded in our own nature, then we are present in the I am. And we, and we are with and as the divine. And it opens us. And we are there, present with the divine, as the divine. So that's what that passage means. And that can happen across the world. We can have somebody in Thailand and somebody in Birmingham, Alabama, connecting in peace when they don't even know each other. Because at that moment, they are gathered together in my name, in the I am that I am, in a full awareness of who we are as divine beings. That's what that means. So while we're gathering together in our churches and our temples, hoping that maybe we can get a little piece of that, uh, touch the hem of the garment, so to speak, of of our own peace, we might not be um, able to really fully experience that until we get down to the level where we can really receive because reception is where it's at. We're talking about full reception where there is no striving. That's where the I am that I am is and that's where our peace will be found. We're going to talk some more about that right after the break. So stay tuned for more. This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Are you feeling out of control? Are bad relationships, anger, depression, and lifestyle overwhelming you? You can choose to release the belief systems that have kept women stuck for years. Tune in to The Power of an Unstoppable Woman with Dr. Rose Backman as your host. Break free from the genetic beliefs that can cause sabotage. It's time to stand up for who you are and what you believe in, no matter what. Listen every Tuesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, noon Eastern Time, on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Have you discovered you? Each week, listen for Discover You Radio with host Debbie Regale. Debbie and her featured guests will help you to discover your true passions, fears, abilities, and motivations. Too many times in life, we forget the energy and drive of our youth. Who we are hasn't been changed, just perhaps our perception of it has. Let Debbie help you with your own self-discovery and reignite that fire that is still within you. Discover You Radio is heard every Friday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Tune in to the Empowered Healer Show with Dr. Susan Allison. Our program will help you to heal yourself, support those around you, and enhance your work and your relationships. Healing can be physical, emotional, or spiritual, and it can be personal or collective for the healing of our planet. Dr. Allison and her guests will offer methods of healing that will go beyond your life and reach the lives of others. Tune in to the Empowered Healer Show. Airing live every Thursday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern, on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Be visionary. 
This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. You're listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We want to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about today's show, call in now, toll free, 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. You can also send your questions or comments by email to Andrea at andreamatthewslpc.com. Now, back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. And we're back with our final segment today, talking about the feasibility of peace on earth. Because this is a time when we begin to celebrate new birth. We begin to celebrate in, in, in lots of different ways, through Hanukkah, through Christian rituals, through all kinds of things that are happening in this time of year. We, we celebrate life in a different and, and diverse way. Um, but we also long at this time, more than any other time of the year, we long for peace. We long for peace on earth. But what we don't seem to understand is that peace on earth will not come to the collective until it comes to each individual. And when we talk about that, we, we tend to think in terms of some big ending. Oh, well, we're not going to have peace. We're going to have some big ending. Uh, lots of people refer to the book of Revelations to, to, um, evidence there that ending but actually when we read the root language of the book of revelations it's actually telling us about a harbor of peace it's not telling us about um death and destruction it's not telling us about um the end of the world it's not telling us about some division between where some people are going to go to heaven and others are going to go to hell that's how it's been interpreted but actually the root language says something entirely different I've got a, a book that I'm working on right now that I hope to get out there uh, in the next year or two about that and have worked on that book for several years um, where we we have totally misconstrued. What that book does is historically document the closing of the chakras and then tell us how they're going to open again. It does not tell us anything about doom, gloom, or hell. It tells us about our our coming peace, our coming awakening. Actually, uh, the field of Armageddon is a, is a time where we are um, we are advanced upon by the divine, where that we are flooded by the divine, where we suddenly wake up. Those who haven't been in living in peace and in their divine nature suddenly become aware of that divine nature and that might be uncomfortable for a little bit but ultimately it is going to bring us to peace so I say there's no way we are not going to have peace we're ultimately going to have peace but in the process it's going to be one in which each one of us individually awakens to who we are now the big question is how do we do that so that's where we always get to in these conversations. You know, people ask me, I've done lots of interviews with other radio hosts, and they well, how do you do that? How do you get in touch with the divine self? And, and, and how do you get into the flow? Well, when we start talking about how to, we just like when we say we should love, and we should have peace, when we talk about talk, start talking about how to, we sort of get off the path a little bit. There is no should in front of love. You know, it, it, love is something we receive from the divine that flows through us to the world, to us and then to the world. Um, and it is full reception. That's all it is. It, love is only received. 
It is not ever given by us, by, especially by that part of us that believes it's separate from the divine. It only flows through us. And that's how love works. So when we talk about, I should be more loving, I should be more kind, I should be more giving, I should be more open, and that's a lot of our talk around Christmas time. You know, we look back over the year and we go, oh, yeah, well, I've kind of been a, you know, kind of mean person sometimes and haven't always done the right thing by others. And I, yeah, I kind of regret that. And I, I want to work on being kinder. And that's where we get to the new year starts and we start making all these you know, vows for how it's going to be. All these New Year res- New Year's resolutions about how we're going to be in the future, and we're going to we're going to be different. We're going to be kinder. We're going to be more giving. We're going to be more loving because we should. And what I say is, the minute you put that should in front of it, it ceases to be love. The minute we start talking about how many ways we should, of our own blinded state, give love to other people, we've lost touch with what's really needs to happen. What needs to happen is we need to stop striving, cease striving in order to know that we are divine beings. Now, here's how that works. Here's the how-to. You wanted a how-to? Here it is. If I'm in full reception of my essence, I'm sitting with my essence, I'm being my essence. If I'm there, then I'm in a flow of, of divine energy and I'm just in that flow. Why? Because... I am the flow. The flow is me and I am it. And that's how it works when we're in that place of presence with the divine. So that um, it just moves us. It, it begins to initiate our activity. Jesus said, I can do nothing of my own initiative. Well, what in the world does that mean? It sounds like, what is he sitting around doing nothing, twiddling his thumbs? I can do nothing. What's that mean? Well, he, he explains it. But he says, the Father, the Father. The Father, the word there that's the root language that's used there for Father means basically source. It doesn't mean a male paternal figure. It means source. Okay? My origins. My origins initiate me. My origin in divine self initiates my activities. So that it's being initiated through me. I'm not my ego, my, my, the, the idea of myself as separate from the divine does not, is not the operational force there. That is what it means by overcoming. That word overcoming is used a lot in the book of Revelations to say uh, that we're to overcome. What that means is we're to be overcome. We are to be overcome by the divine energy in us. There's a passage in Zechariah in the Old Testament or the Tanakh of of the Jewish faith that says, that it says, not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. Now, um, the author of the Metaphysical Bible Dictionary, Charles Fillmore, says that any time we see the word Lord, we should interpret that to be to mean I am. So, not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says I am. Now, we if we put that on ourselves, we can say... My, the part of me that is blind to who I am, that, that aspect of my beingness is not the initiator of anything that has real lasticity, eternity to it. Um, the, what is real is initiated by my origin as divine self. That is how it becomes effortless effort. I'm doing something, but it's not, it's being done through me. 
my the the eye that sees itself as separate of from the divine is not doing it. The the eye that is I am is doing it, and that is how it works. Pure reception. It isn't about doing, striving, going after, getting, uh, climbing the ladder, you know, doing the work. You know, we talk in those terms all the time because we think we're on our own here. That's why we talk in those terms. We think there is no flow for us to fall into. We think that we have to push the river. And the reason we think that is because we've been, we've, as little children, as I said in the first segment, as little children, we got into some magical thinking about reality. We thought that when bad things happened, it meant that we were somehow bad. Just like when a child sees his parents divorce, it means that he's somehow bad or she's somehow bad. It doesn't mean that at all. Our thinking has been skewed along those lines for centuries. And it's really hard for us to not talk in those terms. I mean, even a lot of the New Age New Thought people talk in those terms. And it really comes off like doublespeak. Like over here, you know, you you got to got to get that ego in line. Well, what are you going to do? How are you going to do that? <laughs> Who is the ego going to get the ego in line? If you start saying you gotta, you should, you need to. You're already into what trying to get the blind to lead the blind. The blind part of me is trying to get the blind part of me to see better. That's not going to work. The only way real transformation happens is through reception. So. When we talk about peace on earth, we're talking about receiving the peace that is already ours. We're talking about becoming the peace that is already ours. It is already who we are. We are peace. We are joy. We are light. One of the longest sermons that Jesus ever preached was the Sermon on the Mount, in which he started it off by saying, you are the salt of the earth. You are the salt of the earth. And he was talking to the multitudes. He was not talking to his disciples. He was talking to the multitudes. And the multitudes, surely in those multitudes, there had to be somebody who wasn't acting like the salt of the earth, right? <laughs> well, that's how we typically think. No, he said, you are, not you will be, not you should be, but you are the salt of the earth. How could he say that? He could say that because he knew who he was. He knew that he was divine self, and he knew we were too. We just forgot about it. Once we got here, we started making associations that weren't true. And we've kept those associations as if they were true. And we have validated them over and over again with our behavior as if they were the only final truth. And yet, they are the lie. What is truth is that we are peace. We are peace. So how could we not create peace? It's not possible. We will we will have peace on earth. It is going to happen. It's a process though, and it unfolds person by person by person by person by person. And each of us are on that path. There's no way we're not on that path. We are all on the journey to becoming overcomers. We are all on the journey to become becoming overcome by the I am that I am. Because we are all that I am. And in that process, what happens is we become slowly more awake, lifetime after lifetime, um, incarnation after incarnation, so that karma is not about whether or not we get 
rewarded for good in a previous life or punished for bad in a previous life. That's what we typically think because we think in those terms. We think in terms of good and bad. Actually, karma is the intention of the soul to bring us to full awareness of who we are. So, you know, when I, when I have a quote unquote bad experience, then that is, the soul is going to use that to bring me to more awareness of who I am. If I have a good experience, the soul is going to use that to bring me to more awareness of who I am. And it'll happen incrementally, lifetime after lifetime after lifetime, until we all get it. Until we all get it. And the more each one of us awakens, the more we potentiate the awakening of the entire world. So what can you do to bring peace to the world? Give peace to yourself. And how you give it to yourself is by receiving receiving it from your deepest, essential, core nature as a divine being. And what do I mean when I say divine being? I mean exactly what I'm saying. I mean you are God. I mean that I'm God. I mean we're all God. There is not one of us that isn't God, no matter what we look like or what we act like. We just don't know it. That is the primary problem. And when I talk about how we're going to have peace on earth, it will be about us coming to know who we are as that divine being, that I am that I am. That's what's going to happen. That's what's going to unfold for us. How will I know? Downloaded information. Will will I ultimately change my mind on that? I don't think so, but I guess it's possible. I'm ready for that too. I'm open to receiving. And that's what it's going to take. We're going to have to be more and more open to receiving who we are as divine beings in order for us to have peace individually. And that will spread over the world because every time one person has peace, it impacts everyone on the earth. So that's what I got for today. Next week, as I said, we're going to be talking to Marianne Williamson, so you want to be here for that. We're going to have a lively discussion about her latest book, The Law, the Divine Law of Compensation, so don't miss it. And remember, your job, should you choose to accept it, is to give birth to yourself. Thanks again for listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Join us again next Wednesday afternoon at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern Time here on the 7th Wave Network. We'll talk again next week.